0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Can We Talk? I'm Nick. We're coming to you from the state of Delaware. Uh, I want to introduce the two co-founders of Alias Can. Uh, of course, Mike Patterson. Say hello, Mike. Hello. <laughs> uh, and Francesca of Avalo. Hola. And the guy that is keeping this whole thing running uh, for us behind the scenes, uh, Frankie Fifth Year, our producer, is uh, coming to to you from the great Garden State, uh, birthplace of Frank Sinatra, home of Bruce Springsteen, but I'd like to see either one of them kick a football harder and further than Frankie Fifth Year. He's the greatest. Um, (laughs) Guys, how are we today? Are, Are we doing perfect?
1: pretty
0: close. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. I thought we
1: were being honest. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no.
0: I, I think that's how I like to ask people how they're doing during these days anymore. We're on, I don't know, how many days into a heat wave. Uh, there's also this, um, there's a little bit of a virus going around um, that's causing some trouble. And uh, just checking in on you guys, we wanted to talk today uh, about One of the challenges that that a lot of companies are experiencing, uh, and that's when everyone has to pivot and go remote. So today's edition of Can We Talk is called Remote Control. I think it's got to be very challenging uh, for you to, in particular, you're used to running businesses one way. And then uh, almost about 130 days ago, I think the last day that you uh, opened your doors was March 12th uh, to the general public. Everyone has to pivot. Everybody has to uh, change the way we do business. And it's something we're all going through. And it's peculiar. Um, we're kind of learning a new way of how to function work-wise. And it's particularly interesting because I think we're going to get work. We're going to figure out a way to function. We're, we're fine-tuning it now as we speak. Uh, but it seems like culture might be harder to recover. And I'm going to work that in. We're going to return to that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, the challenges of running a business in the age of covid uh, and going remote now we're months into it, spring and now into the summer. Uh, I wanted to start with you, Mike. Is there one thing in particular uh, that you've relied on uh, one tool that's helped you kind of maintain uh, the the grip on on day to day
2: operations the way you like to? It's a great question because you know to me when I think about running the company and managing a company and managing a team and Really helping people to achieve higher levels of performance a lot of it comes down to the interpersonal part of it And that to me is kind of the management by walking around approach where it's stopping in to check in on people Make sure they're feeling good about what they're doing. They understand what they're doing uh, You know, they have clear expectations on outcome and performance and, and just kind of setting them up for success So in a remote world, that's extremely hard to do sure and and then so you end up relying on on communication tools like zoom which for the first like 15 minutes seemed like great but then there's this whole <laughs> zoom fatigue that sets in and then i find myself looking at what's in the background and daydreaming and everything else so it's yeah. you know that's a whole different set of challenges but i think what's really helped us um, helped me and i think helped the team stay connected is use of instant messenger so for us ours is tied to our CRM system and our on our business platform called it's called Click. Um, it's part of the Zoho platform. And that's been great because we can stay connected even though we're in three or four different states on you know working on different projects, but it keeps everyone intertwined and, and we use it for fun and for work. You know, there's funny stuff people will post in there and that keeps things light. But at the same time, it lets me see what's going on, even if I'm not involved in the direct conversation at that particular minute. So I think that's what is emerged as my number one tool uh, over things like Zoom and even my cell phone is just that instant messenger.
1: And you know what's kind of funny is that I think it's so value, or part of its value, is that we used it before. Like we used it when we were in the office, and you know, you were in the middle of something. You needed to ask a quick question, or you had to put something in the group chat rather than putting everybody into the same room and then saying it. You could put them into the same click chat and like say. It. So, there isn't this shift of it's a new tool for us. We're just using it a lot more, and so I think that becomes like at least a touchstone of familiarity in a way that is just, I guess,
0: nuanced in use a little bit. Sure, sure. All good points. And there's something uh, very striking, uh, for me at least, I want to go back to where, uh, Mike, I think you said something about, you know, popping in the office, you know, checking in on this, all these things that we take for granted that we used to be able to do. Um, You used to be able to say, hey, so-and-so's having a rough morning, might want to check on them. they want to see if they want to do lunch or something like that. And that that element of company culture is so, you know you can groom it, you can nurture it when you have that uh, personal interaction. How have you been able to maintain a sense of company culture uh, when everyone's remote and as you said in, in three or four different states?
2: Yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard, and I think it's one of those things you have to work on now more than ever because before you're just kind of dealing with employees coming in and they may have a personal situation here or there with their kid or their family. But in the in the age of COVID and in the age of the social unrest that we're dealing with now, there's so many different emotional forces that are... That are really at the forefront of everybody's mind, and so that emotional balance that everybody's kind of fighting with, it's like a, it's like a teeter totter. And, and people, you know, myself included, you can go up and down based on the headline that pops on your phone or you see in the news. So I think it's a lot more important now to continue to stay in touch and continue to check in because there's so many additional forces at play that can really, um, you know, make performance difficult for. For, for people on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah, I think that that sense of isolation that can set in, you know, j- even just a few days into this thing uh, is is something that, that that's gripping and it's powerful and it needs to be addressed. Francesca, I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: No, I think I, I agree. And, like, what Mike said was was really important too is that it's more than just this pandemic that we're going through we're also going through a you know a moment of social revolution and political unrest and all these big big things are coming in and so the idea of work culture goes away on several levels because you're not in the same office so you don't have that same culture and there's an insulation when you go to work you know it's sort of like you 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 leave kind of the outside world and, or at least the parts that, you know, you have to leave when you walk into the door of your office and you're like, okay, I'm here. I've got my work face on, got my work people with my work conversations and my work ethic and my work energy. And so you bring something different to the office. And I think all of that feeds into it. And now there's literally no division between work and play. And, um, you know, you're, you're a parents are parents full time and they're working full time and spouses are spouses full time and vacation is kind of there all the time and never there. <laughs> Everything's just kind of a blurred mess. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges in terms of keeping any kind of work culture identity is like, let's make sure that we're staying in touch during these work hours and that um, you know, we do that the best we can through this through click, through phone calls, through Zoom meetings and um you know, any way that we
2: can. I think one thing that I thought that, I'm sorry, Nick. No, Um, no, no. One thing I wanted to build off of what Francesca said, I think one thing that that I've seen happen over the course of the last, uh, what would you say, 130 days, which is incredible to think about, but wow. Um, One of the things I've seen happen in the company is that I see a lot of people take time off in the middle of the day to take a walk or to go for a bike ride or go for a run or walk their dog or whatever they need to do to kind of just mentally reset. And I think that's something that's extremely helpful um it's healthy mentally and physically but it's something that we've embraced and said hey you need to take a walk at two no problem do it and when you're get, when you get back let's you know jump on this call or finish up where we're doing but it does it gets taxing you know all those factors that we we're talking about individually are significant and then collectively it can be debilitating so it's one of those things that we really embrace the flexibility to allow people to do what they need to do to keep themselves healthy, um, you know, physically and emotionally. So I think that's been something that it was never part of my management repertoire in the past. But now, if you don't have that tool in the toolbox, uh, your company is going to flounder. No doubt. No doubt. Because I think it, the challenge to mental health
0: that the last few months have posed is is unprecedented. It's absolutely yeah. unprecedented. So. To your point, that that two o'clock walk, that that could be a make or break constitutional for somebody, and and uh, mm-hmm. incredibly important. And one, of, you, you touched upon something I wanted to get to in a, in a couple uh, in a couple minutes here, but I wanted to I wanted to ask you uh, where this came from as far as keeping people together, um, and uh, on a monthly basis, having to kind of rally the troops and say, here comes, here's what we did, here's where we went. Here's where we're going. We used to staff meetings were one of your. Uh, it was kind of like a highlight on the monthly calendar. We all kind of enjoyed that, um, and we can't get together now. But you guys did something pretty cool uh, as the summer kicked off to try to recreate the environment of, st- of a staff meeting as best we can. Who who can tell me a little
2: bit about that?
1: Both of us. <laughs> but, uh, you can too. But um.
2: go for it, Francesca
1: it was it was fun actually it was really it's fun because it's a small thing that i think carried more weight than we even realized um so for our staff meetings usually what we do is we bring in lunch to the office and we have the staff meeting and we have lunch and mike's done that since day one of like the, the companies that all the companies that he's owned and run. And so it's very important to have like this camaraderie and staff meetings aren't these big heavy things. You know, you end on the positive and you wanna make sure people leave feeling like energized by them, not beaten by them. And so food's one of the best ways to do that really is like a punctuation mark at the end of the meeting of like, hey, but at least you're getting this really nice meal, even if, you know, you feel like the numbers are down or something, we're still going to reward you to some extent, but we can't do that. We can't have meals together anymore, except that Mike and I came up with the idea of like, you know, we were talking about, we're like, why don't we just get everybody pizza delivered to their house? so around the same time so that they have it during the staff meeting and so we managed to surprise everybody except for one person because she she sniffed (laughs) me out in a second (laughs) but um it was fun like kind of sneaking around and just figuring out like where do you order pizza from in jersey or in you know north wilmington or wherever what's your favorite kind
2: of pizza Yeah. Yeah. What do you
1: get on your pizza? Like, what do you, what's your (laughs) go-to? And, um, and it was really fun because it's another thing, like kind of like click of like, Hey, we're, we're throwing it back to this thing that we always did. And we still care. We're still here. We can still have a shared experience in a different way. And I think that was kind of the, the big, Piece of it that we wanted to carry over.
0: I, I can tell you, there it was an emphatic win. Uh, just talking with the rest of my team, that was that was really really cool, and I and, and it was unique, and people appreciated. I just wanted to, I wanted to include it uh, as well as I wanted to include one more thing that uh, we didn't do, you know, so to speak, because uh, some of us have different schedules and whatever. But um, Mike, at the end of the week, what are what are you? Uh, You came to this pretty quickly when uh, COVID started, uh, maybe a couple of weeks after we closed the office, but uh, talk a little bit about how the team wraps up on Fridays.
2: Yeah, this is another kind of idea I brought from another company that I was with, that uh, it's really, we call it a cool down, and it was basically Friday afternoon, uh, we shut down an hour early, and people have some beers. They could have wine. They could have water. They could do whatever. But it was a time for everybody to come together and just kind of unwind and and celebrate a good week, you know. And we don't you don't talk about work really. It's just about just interpersonal, having fun, what are you doing this weekend, blah, blah, blah. blah. So I found that it was really effective. And, it is, and again, it's a culture tool of bringing people together. And so when this thing hit, Francesca and I quickly said, we had to do something at the end of the week. So we started an end of week, Friday afternoon, 4.20 session um, at 4.20 on Friday, where it's, you know, people can come and just jump on the Zoom for 30 or 40 minutes and just kind of um, unwind, you know, in whatever way you see fit. And uh, it's nice, and it's nice just to, to ha- see everybody in- relaxing and joking and un- see what they're going to do over the weekend and, you know, to kind of regain their sanity. So it's it's a good tool, and I think it's something that I look forward to. And I missed one last week, and I was like, man, I wonder what they're doing on the call. I was all like, <laughs> major foms.
0: <laughs> I think it's a, an interesting thing because that's like the time of the week, We'll have our calls. We'll do things on the different days. But like for those 420 calls, that's the that's the time where you just see each of us as we are. And it's great because you'll see a cat walk by the screen or someone's new puppy (laughs) pop up. And, you know, it's like, hey, how's the weather? And, you know, wherever you are, they've been great. Uh, (laughs) I've loved them. And um, but this is a I want to go to something that I talked to. frank about last week i had to do a call with frank at the beginning of the week just because we wanted to touch base on one of our accounts see what kind of work we were doing and i asked him about um one particular dispensary he's been working with and you know frank used the the phrase he's like man what day was it all the days bleed together all the days do bleed together we've um this virus has effectively taken away every cultural touchstone whether it's the weekend holidays they're just not really there the way they used to be. I think, of my, I think of this all the time, Mike, You, with your sons. What must it be like for an 18-year-old? You used to gauge that 18th year and be like, man, life before graduation and life after graduation. Man, a flip's going to switch and everything's going to be different. We get to a day of the week and nothing changes. The, the time in life has kind of a static quality. So what I'm getting at, is a new challenge in management, and I've never been in this position, but do you, either one of you, do you find yourself having to tell people, take a day off?
2: Yeah, we told Frank that two weeks ago, and he still <laughs> hasn't.
1: Uh. I was just going to say, that was uh, the crux of our 420 call last Friday. It was like, by the way, Frank, when the fuck are you going to take a day off? Because you need to, yeah. you're going to get burnout, out. And, and it's hard.
2: Yeah, and that's, and that's my biggest thing. I'm a big fan of of making sure people take that time to just disconnect and recharge and come back because it's it's just like a steady grind to nowhere if you don't. And um, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, like vacations are different now. People don't know where to go or don't know where, where they're comfortable. So a lot of things that people t- traditionally did in the summer are kind of like on the back burner. So it tends to just be a big groundhog day of of day in, day out. And especially for us over the past, you know, few months, we've been working that one, one gig for the dispensary that requires us to work all weekend. So then all of a sudden, when those, those their drops come on, you know, we're, you're going like 14 straight days and it can be really tough mentally. And so I think it's one of those things that we really watch and we make sure people like, Hey, take your time, even if you're just going to, sit around your house and do a Netflix binge, like do something and get away and, and just unplug because it's, it's, it's really, really important.
1: And managers need, and bosses and owners and whatever you want to call yourself, like need to be telling their employees that if they're not already, because it is the easiest thing when you're working from home to be like, well... I'm not going anywhere because I'm not comfortable taking a vacation anywhere or, you know, whatever reasons I can't for any, for whatever reason, then I'm just going to be home. It's just going to be a staycation. And it's like, well, then I guess I should, might as well work. I'm home, mm-hmm. like home and work become almost synonymous. And so it's really hard. Mike had to t- tell me to take some days off. And I was like, but why? It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, but I'm really glad he did because it did. It made a big difference. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know I needed that as badly as I did until I was in the middle of it um, because it takes some time to to unwind and to disentangle your work life and your your other life, and you need to make sure you feed them.
2: No doubt. You know, I, had, I had someone in the past tell me that, like, they always take two weeks at a time in the summer. And they said their thought process was because it basically takes them a week to just get disconnected from what they were doing before. And then the second week is when they could really, really relax and, and be disconnected from their phone and their email and everything else. And I always kind of kept that in mind. And I've never done that because I'm always – it's just not me to take two weeks off. You'd but be miserable.
3: Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: you know what happened? happen? I'll tell you what happened. It was like I would feel disconnected and then my anxiety would spike. And then I would be like, I might as well just go, back. I'd be happier just get, like, getting reconnected again. But there, you know, two weeks is a lot, but I, I respect the notion of taking two weeks. And I, I'm jealous of, you know, I'm envious of people that do that because I think it is a good way to emotionally and mentally relax and take care of yourself physically and reconnect with your family and all those things that sometimes get swept under the carpet during this, like, you know, blur of work and, and home. I, that's something that I think you kind of beat me to the punch there a little bit, Mike, because that
0: that that's something I find intriguing about uh, the way you've always run your company. Uh, I want to use uh, your holiday break as an example. Um, with holidays in particular, to talk about Christmas, and um, that's one of those 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 holidays where it's like, ah, uh, I got to make it through. You know, I'm hosting Christmas Eve, and then I can take a day off the next day, or I got to go out, I got to travel for Christmas Day, I got to take it you a lot of us don't really rest until maybe the 26th or 27th your break uh that you you allow your team to take is something to be coveted in in the american workplace there's no doubt about it and it's not by accident i mean there's a design to it um mm-hmm. and 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 that design works for you and i think that's because the emphasis is stop recharge come back come back refreshed Yeah.
2: Yep. and you know it's kind of funny is like we you know for it's my whole career, we've been doing that from December, you know, whatever it is, 22nd, 23rd, whatever, how the calendar works out, all the way through New Year's. I and mean, we've always done that. And at first, you know, some of our customers weren't really happy about it, but then all of a sudden, next thing I noticed, they got used to it real fast and they would just order materials or do whatever they needed to do. And if there's an emergency, they know we're there to help. but. Um, it's something they got used to and it's something that I've seen especially over the last like, say five to seven years I see lots of companies taking that extended period off over Christmas or people banking vacations so that they can you know enjoy that time to, to be with their families and recharge and travel or whatever they're gonna do but it's it's important for all those reasons but you know I got to say like one of the things I love about it most is we go away um, to a rental house we have. And so about the 27th or 28th is when my mind kind of starts creeping back in this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of do a lot of my creative work and a lot of my like planning and a lot of like the visionary stuff that I love doing. Is, and and really, it's a lot of stuff I've come up with during that period is what's ended up translating into different parts of the business and different platforms for different areas of growth. And so I think the o- only reason I can get there mentally is because I let everything go enough to where I create that space to let my mind wander and come up with new concepts that might be good for us. Yeah. and I
1: think it shows like a thoughtfulness too, Mike, about um, for people that are – dealing with child care and like children in schools and they have that length of time off and i've seen both my past life as a teacher and now like Parents try and scramble to figure out what to do, or they have to use their vacation time to, you know, take a vacation that's just watching their kids and making sure that they, you know, align that. Where if it's already given, then you get to have so much better quality time with your family at other times that are more important, or not more important, but just in addition. So I think it's it's a kindness and it's kind of a compassionate and um, and you know, generous move in those ways, too, in that what Nick said, like, in American culture, that's unfortunately very rare. So, but you're right, it's like that end of year, reflective time anyway, so that's when it's like, I'm off, I get to think about what this year's been like and where I want the next year to go, and it's just, it's a natural, it it works because you're not working, you're not forcing the work.
0: Let Let me ask you this, same vein, the end of you know quarter four of this year is you know goes without saying it's going to be different, um, but I mean you guys are used to charging hard through those last few months. You're used to doing. We got a show in September. We've got two shows in November. We got the <laughs> biggest. We've got the biggest cannabis exposition in the world in December. And I, I remember Mike you saying this to me uh, the first time. You know my first year I was fortunate enough to be involved. On that last day of work when we have our little get-together, you were like, we earned this, enjoy it. The end of the year used to, you know, kind of dictate itself through working our asses off through those shows. What do you expect to be different now? I mean, it's cannabis, the business is not going away. It's essential. Um, But the end of the year is going to look a little bit different, isn't it?
2: it's gonna be significantly different just because of the, all the shows that we normally would do that we're not gonna be doing is gonna um, really open up other times. So as much as it like it was like go hard and then go home was how it was <laughs> kind of last few years, now I think we can kind of you know have more of a steady, consistent pace. But where I see our work, I actually envision things being really busy in a couple of new areas this year. It, and number one is that we've got significantly more cultivator clients. And once that fall harvest hits, there's going to be a lot of people who need sales help. And so I, I see that being a lot of a lot more work, a lot more activity uh, for us because we're going to have so many different clients trying to move so much weight, um, you know, November, December, January type time frame. And then we also have more dispensary clients now. And, and helping them handle their surges of, of you know, cookies drops or you know, different product drops and helping them run their businesses effectively. Like we've got a lot more clients and we've got a lot more um, business now, consistent business than we had a year ago. So I think that will help to um, kind of level things out, but I still see it being a strong fourth quarter um, just for all those reasons. Francesca,
0: without the presence of the trade shows, for the for the, I mean, twenty twenty. We don't have one. Uh, you were supposed to be in New York City uh, at the end of May. Despite those show, you know, the lack of those shows or those opportunities, you and Mike have been able to find opportunities. It's 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 incredible. Um, so are you having a better year without those shows, or is that is that a bad question?
1: No, it's not a bad question at all. I think it's a fair question. I think. Um we're having a better year. I don't think not having the shows is why we're having a better year, but it does, it does help in the sense that we're not chasing every lead that comes into a booth that we scan and we see as a potential opportunity. Instead, it's like, we've very narrowly defined who our clients are and our, and our best clients. And we put all of our energy towards finding them and getting them and retaining them. And so that's created more business, um, better business and more long-term business that we can execute better rather than, oh, here comes somebody that has this ancillary product that could go in stores, that could be in dispensaries, that could help people do this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, "Yeah, yeah, we could do that. We could, we could help them sell that. But that's not what we're here for. You know, that's, that's not how we're going to help dispensaries. We're actually going to help them in a more direct way, in a more productive way, and in a more specific cannabis-centric way. And so I think not having the shows takes away a lot of distractions in some ways. So, and they, I wouldn't have called those things distractions a year ago at all. You know, it's almost like taking this forced hiatus of shows made me um, change my perspective on how we're seeing them. And it's... it's you know, assuming that trade shows, live trade shows, eventually come back, I think it's going to change what trade shows we go to and how we show up to them and what we're looking for in them.
0: Around the time in December, when we have the big trade show at MJ Biz in Las Vegas, um, you know, you work, I don't think people understand how much work those shows are for, for a, a team. Um, and... You know, you travel across the country, you come back, we pop back into work on Monday, and then Mike, you and Francesca spend I don't know how many days until we take that holiday break trying to chase these shiny objects from the the, the people that stop by. is this experience kind of taught you anything about what what you'll pursue and what you just don't need to waste your time with as far as yep. you know services, clients, that kind of
2: thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Francesca hit the nail on the head earlier when it this all comes back to early last year, early this year, excuse me, we made the real strategic decision to narrow our focus and to only go after certain things. And that's been huge. And I think that's why we're having a, a better year. I completely agree 100% with what she said. Uh, but it's also, it's gonna change our perspective on these shows because, it's a, it's a big investment in money. It's a big investment in time. It's you know it's a big investment in follow up afterwards. It's it's a lot. And so if you really start looking at the numbers, um, you know it's it's a it's hard to make it worthwhile unless you get a, a nice amount of business out of it. So it really will dictate what we do in the future and what types of leads we're going to go after and that will be what types of shows we got to go after. I can see us being a lot more hyper-focused on the shows. So something like MJ Biz, I don't know if that will be in the in the future for us something that's like a cultivator centric show which there's a few of those out there that's where i could see us having a presence because we have a very clear message of the value we can bring to the to the participants in that show versus a wide a wide net where we have every tom dick and harry with an idea and you know it's just you end up spending a lot of time chasing nothing Mm-hmm. So it's, wow. it's, it's, I, that's kind of how I see it. But I'm, a, I'm like Francesca, I'm not sure when there will be shows again. Um, maybe next year. And it's, but even then, like, what will the participation be? Will people feel comfortable to go? And uh, so I think there's, there's a whole new landscape. But I think this is really, we knew we wanted to narrow our focus and we wanted to go after certain very specific segments. And we don't need shows to do that. So, you know, we figured out how to do it this year. And we've really, uh, over the last three months especially, we've figured out how to do it on our own, remotely, with no problems at all. So th- I think that's been the thing I'm most proud of as far as our ability to grow uh, at a time when things are so uncertain and, and so um, just sporadic in terms of where business is and how people are going to choose to s- uh, spend money and partner with you know, outsource companies like us. Yeah. Y-
1: yeah, I think if I can just... Add one sure. more thing nick so like i think that the the customers that we get from the lead gen that we're doing now are going to be more our people as well like they we've put out messaging that makes it clear who we are what we're doing and what the investment from them is and so then they they have to like opt in and say yes to that in order like that's what a phone call to us is, or that's what an email back is, or whatever you know that communication tool. And so it's like, ooh, that's a lot more meaningful, at least to me, than um, than a booth, somebody walking by and being like, sales, huh? And then they feel like, <laughs> so what do you do? And you're like, oh my god, you dude, could read I the put it on the booth for a reason. <laughs> I mean, are you? So it's it's the quality of the leads coming in. Are way more connected to us rather than just a passerby who's like, "Nice booth. What do you do?" And then it's like, "Oh, I think I could use that." And it's like, that that just gets it cuts the runway down big time.
0: It, it, it does, and I, I mean, I think there is strange phenomenon, and we're we're going to do an upcoming episode about trade shows um, without <laughs> getting too much into it. But I mean, I think there's a perception out there. That well, it's it's cannabis, and you know this show's in New York, or this one's in Vegas, or New Orleans. So there's a there's a perception out there to many people, and unfortunately, it, it bleeds through into industry people. Uh, if you, I don't know if you agree or not, but that it's a carnival. You know that you walk on the trade show floor, and it's a freaking carnival, and I'm going to get my you know my my stickers and my free T-shirts and whatever. But you're there to do business. Um, and it seems like the opportunities to do real business at the, at some of those places is kind of few and far between. So it's kudos to you guys for kind of refining what you're looking for and refining your message uh, so that you can speak directly to to who you're looking for. I find it really fascinating that the people that, that, that work those shows, I got this yesterday and I didn't tell you guys, they haven't even turned off their auto emails. I, I have one from yesterday <laughs> that says, We've got the design for the upcoming whatever show, we're going to guarantee more people stop by your booth. I was like, that's a hell of a guarantee this year. Um, but <laughs> Strong but. <laughs>
2: marketing. <laughs> right. So
0: um, let, Let's shift gears just a little bit, uh, running uh, to the end here, and this is kind of uh, the, the thing that I wanted to talk about uh, the most with you. Um, I know that when, when we all went into uh, the early stages of lockdown, everyone's concerned with, oh, is this store going to be open? Is that store going to be open? Can I get wine, beer, whatever? Cannabis was deemed an essential business. That's pretty early on. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. Cannabis is great medicine for a number of people suffering from a number of issues. Um, COVID-19 really uh, showed... The kind of strong business cannabis is. Um, now, what kind of what kind of challenges did COVID pose for uh, dispensaries in particular? Where I mean, people are used to going and walking in. And maybe I should stop here um, for people that have never been because we're we're in a uh, where the three of us are, are coming from today. Delaware is uh, where it's a medical uh, state, but a lot of people haven't been into uh, a cannabis dispensary in a rec legal state. Um, what what do you what's the perception of what a cannabis dispensary is, and then what's the reality of the actual dispensary?
1: In terms of perception, I know I was super intimidated about walking <laughs> into a dispensary the first time. I was like. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. I'm obviously, there's going to be some sort of social patterns that I won't know. I'll have to, I'll ask (laughs) some stupid questions. I'll probably touch something I shouldn't touch. Like, I just imagine myself as like a child in the antique store with my mom with like the, don't touch that. Don't touch anything. And (laughs) I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't. And then I've heard people kind of expect it to be a lot like um, what Planet 13 in, um, in las vegas is that's that's very much like a kid in a candy store style dispensary and i think a much more normal dispensary experience is is smaller it's quieter and it's not intimidating and it's personal and um the bud tenders, if they're good, are there to help you and aren't there to humiliate you or make you or or remind you that you don't what you don't know or anything like that. And so I think one of the best dispensary experiences I had actually, Nick, was with you when we were in Colorado. And um, we were there to see my morning jacket, the Red Rocks, and we went to a dispensary in Denver. And it was like this little basement dispensary. And unlike the ones I've been to in California, where it was like, hold on, let me take your ID. Now wait in this waiting room. Now we'll call you in because we could only have a certain number of people in and whatever, whatever. It felt very like, stand here. Now go stand here. Now stand in this line. <laughs> now, you know, with Colorado, it was way more casual and it was way more like, all right, come in, check your ID. Cool. Just go in whenever you want. And the waiting room was like couches and tapestries and stuff. And the dispensary was small. And it was one guy that was like, hey man, where are you guys from? What are you doing here? What are you looking for? What kind of experience are you looking to have? And it was... It was very comforting as as far as that experience goes. So I think what I expected it to be and what it actually is are vastly different, but also what it can be changes per state, per employee, per you know, um, person and their experience and their expectation going in. Yeah. So it's it's definitely different. I'm sure and, Mike you've you've had your own experiences too.
2: Yeah, along those same lines, I, I think to me a lot of where I find uh, the ones I like best are when they have really good bud tenders, the ones that will make you feel comfortable, as you mentioned, Francesca, and the ones that where they're approachable and just down to earth without, you know, without being like a know-it-all or making you feel silly. And I think that's the ones that do it best but mm-hmm. unfortunately, the, the unemployment rate in cannabis is so high that, you know, you could go to a dispensary today and have an awesome bud tender and go back two weeks from now and he's working across the street at a different dispensary. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough value prop for a lot of these dispensaries because they have to keep great employees there and it's, it's not easy.
0: No, it's not. And, and you know, Francesca was talking about a place called Lower Denver uh, Health and Wellness was the name of that dispensary. Um, and I, I the thing I took out of that was the human element of that, and it's something you both touched on. The people that worked there weren't like it wasn't like they knew a secret they didn't want you to get in on. Um, and again, it's like places I love, like record stores. You'll have that experience. Some cat will be like, "Oh, you don't have this Chet Baker album." You're like, you going to make fun of me I'm I'm trying to purchase something jackass but these are <laughs> the they're, the human element uh, of these dispensaries is 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 the big draw I think because it feels yeah. if you go into a chain like a medman, uh that experience is not the same it's not saying it's bad but it is not you you can't give people that same kind of human touch uh, if you will and I think that uh, is one of the major challenges that, that COVID has posed dispensaries because uh, even though they're essential and they're open, they've had to go through and, and do some, you know, they've had to make some changes. Francesca, what what kind of changes uh, are you aware of that, that dispensaries are making as far as how they do business, how their stores operate?
1: I think the biggest thing that we're aware of is um, that a lot of them have gone to curbside pickup and you can't just waltz into a dispensary. It depends on your state, depends on your governor and all that stuff, but um, you can't just waltz in whenever you want and pick out whatever you want without an appointment, without some sort of, um, you know, set up beforehand. It's like, you've really got a plan to get to your dispensary. And so one that we currently do work for we have to set those curbside appointments for people. And so you're going online and picking for yourself what you want. So if you're a first timer and you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know what to, what experience to have or what gives you the experience that you wanna have, then they, the dispensary has the responsibility to assist you virtually. And I think some do and some don't. So it's, it's a big difference. Sorry, it looks like you want to say something,
0: so I'm going to stop talking. No, 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 no. That's not what it meant. It was just made me think. Um, so, you know, you both talked about bud tenders. Um, so just to get another perspective, Mike, do you see a new area opening up, like a new uh, need for, I don't know what you'd call it, like a, not a bud tender, but somebody you can just talk to on the phone about... Hey man, it, it's it's really bad PTSD that my father has. I need I need something. Are we going to see a new
2: kind of job in the cannabis space? Do you think? I really think we will, because I, I think I think curbside is going to be here to stay in some capacity. It won't be a hundred percent curbside, but I think there's going to be a certain part of the population that, for their own safety reasons and comfort, prefer curbside, and so I think that that's going to be something that the. Good leading dispensaries are going to need to somehow adapt to. And and one, you know, if you look at that whole business, especially in in competitive states where there's uh, consumers and patients have choices, the ones that do the virtual patient coordinating and uh, virtual bud tending the best are going to be the ones that have increases in market share and you know obviously increases in revenue. And so I think that's going to be something that the smart dispensary owners are going to be planning on now. And they're probably already planning is, all right, so how do we have to adapt our brick and mortar model to be able to accommodate uh, for a virtual world, uh, both for in terms of safety and health, but also in terms of there's going to be some personal preference that people are going to like that better. And it, and I think there's a lot, of, a lot of areas to that. It could be from the customer conversation type thing, but also... You know, is there a way that they can virtually show products online? I mean, you can't smell uh, the products anymore, you know, <laughs> that's going to be gone forever. But, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you best sell that flour or the edibles to people and best demonstrate what they're getting virtually? I and mean, I think that's where the good companies are going to be spending their money.
1: And it, it goes for CBD too and, and hemp-based products because I know we get emails um, from people that are looking for something specific and they'll be like, listen, my my kid is epileptic or I can't sleep or uh, we are dealing with severe concussion issues and what do you recommend? And it's been through email, they, they just reach out and we can schedule phone calls, we can do email consultations, we can make product recommendations. And so so I think people are maybe more used to that with CBD than they are with, um, with marijuana because it's more, especially when you talk about rec um, use, because it's like a lot of first timers are getting in there and they're nervous about being a first timer. It's awkward to do anything for the first time. And, and walking into <laughs> a dispensary or, or, or smoking and using cannabis is no exception. You feel like a newbie, which makes you feel a little bit like vulnerable, a little bit dumb or whatever and those good businesses are going to remove that pain point for you and they're going to make sure that you're like no no no, it's okay we've all been there we're we're glad you're here we want you to be here and stay here so we'll create an experience that you want to replicate and that's going to be the challenge for a lot of dispensaries is how do you do that in a virtual space
2: It's very very well yeah, any state is, you know, if I, I know I was on a call with the Maryland Medical Commission. there was a Zoom meeting a couple weeks ago. Nick and I were on it, and they went over how many patients they have in, the, in just the state of Maryland and how many, new, how many thousands of new patients they're adding each month. So if I'm running a dispensary, it's really, to me, it's how you're going to nurture the patients you have as well as bring in those thousands of new ones each month because it's, it's a numbers game. You know, this is just you know, a, a retail business, and you want to get that customer base as large and as loyal as you possibly can. So it's it's going to be really important for them to adapt their business and and be strong virtually. Absolutely, that's very well articulated by,
0: by both of you. The uh, that that aspect of just having a a, a friendly voice uh, on the other end of the phone. I, I've done it a couple times for uh, CBD, where people, you know, they they can read whatever you put out and and whatever's on that website or whatever you know is in the ingredients but there's just some level of comfort that I think people are missing in particular right now by hearing from, no, I have a, I had an older dog and this is what I did with CBD. And just like, it's it, it, really hard to replace that element. Um, and it's, I think you're you're so right, Mike, when you said that the, the companies that pivot and figure out a way to treat customers that way are going to be the ones that are successful. And, and if we're talking about a numbers game, I wanted to, to talk about this, so get ready. Um... Oh, man. I'm proud of uh, of a thing. It's tough work, but I look at the curbside work that Alias Can has done. Uh, it is the business of providing key assists to dispensaries, busy dispensaries. So providing key assists. We've been the Wayne Gretzky uh, of cannabis the last couple of months for, for a dispensary in particular. Um, but it's a cultural phenom let's talk numbers games let's talk when i was a kid supply and demand i learned from when my sisters wanted cabbage patch dolls my poor parents couldn't find them a generation later you couldn't find the damn tickle me elmos dolls they i have never seen anything in cannabis
2: like cookies mike can you explain cookies to the newbies I think the best way to, in a short order, to explain it is, it's just a very unique strain, strains plural, of cannabis uh, started out of California that's now licensed into grows in a number of different states. Uh, the names are unique, the packaging unique, the just the overall test results. I mean, they're really good. I mean, it's a thirty plus percent THC, high terp levels. Uh, so just the 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 whole model they've put together as far as creating this um, demand for these, for these strains of, of cannabis, and then licensing it around the country is, is really, really unique. and it's really I mean we've been working with what, it was about six months now, just the different drops. and we've seen every month the numbers go up for the number of people you know, getting in line to, to buy these, to buy the stri- different strains. It's incredible to watch.
1: And to give everybody an idea of how in demand it is, um, the last drop that we did on a drop day, it's it's pretty normal for us. If the portal opens at 11, by 11.03, we have about 200, 300 orders in the queue that we're trying to get to. And by the end of the day, our our most record-breaking first day, our first, most record-breaking Friday, we did 598 different um, completed orders. That doesn't include the people that canceled because they couldn't get the strains they wanted or couldn't get the time that they wanted to pick it up. So you're talking about um, a demand that is it's unlike anything I've seen too and just to be clear cookies aren't cookies they're not like Oreos it's it's cannabis it's a flower it's so and then there's these different strains as Mike said so they have different names and different profiles and people are looking for different experiences from them so whether you're looking for a couch lock or a giggly high, you can get that in the cookies genetics depending on what strain you're getting so um, and people love them
0: <laughs> it seems like it. If they're um, well, let's go into Mike. Can you explain the process of what it is that that you actually do? Because the the dispensary that that we're talking about is closed to the public, right? They can't. No one can walk in that store. So what? Tell us what Elias can's doing specifically, and how that's that's
2: easing the burden of the staff. Yep, be glad to. So the the problem that this was all precipitated by COVID and curbside and the issue was really came down to an operational efficiency uh, internal process at the dispensary so they have a staff they have bud tenders who would see orders come in they compile the orders then walk them out to the car deliver that you know deliver it to the patient who pulls up make change walk back and forth with change all the while with a security guard with them so um, it's a lot of it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of work, uh, and at the same time, they need to contact the patients to get them scheduled, uh, because they can't have everybody showing up all at once and have a big traffic jam and have a mob scene break out, and now you're going to get shut down because the government's going to be all over you. So, uh, so what they enlisted us to do uh, is to we handle the the customer interaction or the patient interaction in this case. So we will see an order come in we call the patient we confirm the order we schedule them for a pickup uh, and move on to the next call Uh, there's a lot of people that will you know want to edit orders add to orders you know all kinds of different things like that Um, so we're really kind of the first touch of the company of the of the dispensary with the patient and with the consumer and and trying to make a strong impression and what we've been able to do is 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 really increase the amount of output they have each each day, each hour. So, you know, before Alias Can, they were doing about, I think, four orders every 15 minutes is what they were able to process and the number of patients they were able to serve. Um, after us, it was up and around like eight orders. So we basically doubled their capacity um, for longer periods of time. And, and we were also able to Increase the average order because you we know, have people are coming in and they'll they'll place two or three orders and we can consolidate that all into one and so they have one pickup where they're picking up a, a larger amount so that's more efficient and more cost effective for the dispensary as well. So
0: we've done quite a few of these. Uh, now, do you ever, Francesca? Do you ever find yourself? Uh, I'm calling uh, this guy. Have you ever running at the same person?
1: All the time. Multiple <laughs> times a day. All the time. There will be people that will order every day of the weekend as long as there are still cookies available. Because uh, one thing that the dispensary does that's that's pretty smart, and they just recently started doing it, is that they limited how much you could get per person per day per strain. So you can only get an eighth of each strain per person per day. And that's nice because it means that you're spreading out that material among more of your customers, and you're getting more exposures, some more customers, and that's great. That also then means that you know Joe Blow, who ordered his Gary Payton on Friday, realized that um, cereal milk is available on Saturday, and so he's going to get meet them. No, it's not. Of that. Cereal
2: milk's never. No, cereal on milk's
1: never available <laughs> on Saturday, by the way. So just drop that.
2: Joe <laughs> right,
0: Blow Mike. is. Joe Blow's, Blow's is Yeah,
1: <laughs> and he's picking up on Sunday because he's ordered, he ordered at 11:04. So there's all those. <laughs> appointment times are done um but yeah you definitely see the same people over and over again and it's funny because you'll you'll see their tickets pop up and you're like man he ju- i just talked to that guy and he put in a new order because something else became available so i'm like good for you Thank you
2: you <laughs> well, know it's really funny doing the calls because you know, we got a bunch of us throwing on the calls. Friday is the, the huge spike day and then Saturday and Sunday are less busy. So we have a lot of us doing calls, but I'm like Francesca, I see some the, a lot of the same people and I'll call them back and now they kind of know us. Yeah. And, yeah. and I like that the calls can either go one of two ways I've found. Um, most of the time, when we call, people are really excited because they know they're one step closer to picking up their cookies. So they're really excited, they're happy to hear from us, they're you know, they they're real animated, excited, all that. And then it can go the other way, which is when we call somebody and now we're not, it's today's Friday, but unfortunately all the time slots are filled and we're now booking into Saturday or even Sunday we've had happen. And that's when people hit the wall and hit, hit the panic button because they realize they can't get their cookies today and they have to wait until tomorrow because they're late on the on the purchase. So those people you have to talk off the ledge, and you know, <laughs> and reassure them and and you know try to make them you know feel good about it and just encourage them to get in earlier next time and etc. So yeah, it, they can be uh, you don't know what you're going to get yourself into, but there it's a lot of fun, but it's it's a rush like it's it, it's like I told I think I described it to someone Someone recently, as like I feel like, because it's one call after another for about yeah. ten straight hours, and so it's like when you get done the day of dialing, it's like a flashbang just went off in the room, and I'm like, oh my yeah. god, it's just like blown up. Yeah, and you definitely need to take like an hour to like decompress after that before you can resume life. Yeah,
1: yeah, and not talk to anyone.
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> my
0: ex, my experience last time, my favorite call that I did last time. Uh, it was on the very first day, uh, within the first or second hour, and this young woman I talked to just started crying, happy tears, when I said that she could pick up her cookies that day. She put the phone down, I could hear her, and she's like, no, I took off tomorrow, I am so happy. You know, and she was, it was life changing. But when you talk about the end of the day, here's the difference between... There's several between the way I approach those days where I'm like, oh, my God. By the end of a cookies day, I look like Glass Joe from the old punch out game after you hit him the third time. (laughs) I'm done. There's birds flying around my head. I find it fascinating that the two of you will come out of that day like, hey we learned so much, do you see like the excitement about, hey man, we could do this better, we could do this quicker. And even amidst that rush that you just talked about, um, you're still picking up ways that we can do it better, we can change things, and then uh, how, wh- what's the process like? Is the dispensary pretty um, open to that kind of feedback, and are they taking steps to you know, take your feedback seriously and, and, and make the process a little bit better?
2: Yeah, I mean I think after after every call we have a kind of a debrief with the dispensary where we say, hey, what happened that went well? What what do we need to improve on? And, and it's on both sides of the table, right? There's things that they need to work on on their end to, and the things that we can do also. So, I mean, really what it all comes down to, we're, we're aligned in what we're trying to achieve, which is mm-hmm. a better process, more efficiency at the dispensary level, a better customer experience. If we can increase the amount of uh, patients served per hour, we want to be able to do that. Um, if we can increase the average order amount we want to be able to do that and so those are the ideas that we try to bring to the table um, just from our perspective and and they have ideas and so it's really been collaborative and you know it's, it's been re- refreshing to work with them because they do they listen and respect you know what we say and you know it's you know we have an area of expertise and we have an experience base that we can bring to the table and if we can help that's what we want to do and I think they they appreciate that and have been resp- responsive to some of our ideas and, um, and we've seen them implement things that have really helped the process and helped the customer experience.
1: Yeah, a good, a good example of that, because you're totally right, Mike, is like they, and it's funny because it's taken, you know, a number of weeks to figure out, like, um, what what our recommendations should be. You know, each time it, it gets a little bit better, and one of the biggest things is, like, that... Um, the last time when we ran out of appointments you know by friday we were we were booking i think by the end of friday i think we were going to start booking on sunday around you know it was like all of friday and almost all of saturday were were booked and so at the end of the shift i was like guys please, please, please put something out to your customers, to your patients that says, you know, if you order on Saturday, even if you order it the minute the portal opens on Saturday, you're not going to get an appointment to pick up until Sunday. I said, even if just setting the right expectation for them, allows for a much better customer experience. So then when we're making those dials Saturday morning at you know 11 a.m. and they ordered 11.01 and we're like, great, yep, we've got your order and we can set you up for a pickup on Sunday at two. They're not freaking out. That's not new or shocking to them. They were prepared for it everybody's happier. Everybody is happier. And so to see that kind of small change, um, just being more communicative and setting better expectations, that leads to big returns, I think, for them, for us, for the customers. So we really work, like Mike said, very collaboratively for a win-win-win. I,
0: I always find it interesting that um, even at the, you know, the peak of someone's cookies despair when they can't get it that day (laughs) or they uh you know the strain is out they don't have gary payton they got to settle for you know was it london pound cake or another one that's amazing um that they will often if you use your customer service skills that we're all honing they will give you some pretty they'll they'll be understanding and they'll most likely give you pretty good feedback um and they'll be like, no i understand it's not you Here's why I'm frustrated. And if you can tell them, mm-hmm. I understand, I, I appreciate that, and I promise you it's going to get back to the people that need to hear it. Most of them, uh, even as, as as upset as they can be, have been have been pretty cool to deal with. So I, I find that really interesting.
1: There was a guy, and Nick, you, you overheard this conversation when I was on the phone with him. Really, really nice guy, but he's <laughs> upset that he couldn't get the strains that he wanted. And his solution... That was like, man, you guys should just, you should just have more. You should just have <laughs> enough to serve everybody. And yeah. it was like, well, we. This was a weekend that we had the most we'd ever had. That was lasting the longest and it had ever lasted. Yeah. And I was like, you know, we do the best we can. And I was kind of trying to be broad in the placating of of his upset, you know, issues. And then I finally was like he doesn't understand like he doesn't get it and so I, I spelled it out and that's not his fault he's not in this business he doesn't know and so it's like hey we're doing the best we can we have more weight of some strains than others he's like just get more and i said well it's farming and i said I so that. we can plan a certain amount thinking we're going to get mm. a certain amount and when we harvest, who knows what goes wrong, you know, bugs yeah. and lights and humidity and who knows what? And I said, so things change, unfortunately, without our control. And he was like, yeah, it is farming. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, trust me, if the solution was just have more, we yeah. would do it. Yeah. <laughs> so. well,
0: I remember in that kind voice, you, you using that, I was like, well, I was about one beer into my <laughs> cookies recovery process. And I just heard Francesca say, it's farming. And I don't know what the perception is. Like there's these little elves that come in and then there's cookies, uh, flour everywhere. But he was he was using the rationale kids do to their parents when your parents try to say, yeah, we just don't have the money. And you're like, well, go to the bank and get the money. You know, it, it's, a, it's not there, man. Um, and and you kindly put him in the right uh, frame of mind. Any, any last so thoughts gotta, about
2: that? I have a question for you two. Uh, so, you know, the audience... I'm sure is aware that Nick and Francesca are married. So mm-hmm. what is the cookies drop like at your house when you're doing it? Like are you guys in the same room? Do you break up when it's what ha- and then also as a follow up what happens at at the end of the drop? Do you guys like are you do you even talk? Do you have to like go in isolation? Like what happens? I
0: I find it really tough. I think cookies weekends it's like inviting <laughs> Inviting a monster over for a certain amount of hours for its long weekend. The cookie monster. Yeah, it's the cookie monster. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know, it's funny, the last the last one happened on our anniversary, so it's like we were hosting cookies <laughs> and, and and this. But um at the end of the drop I, I think Francesca, is it no 2nd I'm like I gotta get the hell out of the house, and I do. I go running, or I do what I gotta do. I just need to like detach for a little bit, um, just because yeah. it, it, like you said before, it's intense. It's intense, and we're usually not. You know, Francesca, you're in your own part of the house, and I go to mine. But your experience is a little bit different.
1: Yeah, I, it's usually like I, I get set up, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make this a good one. We're gonna nail this one. This is gonna be the best one yet. And and Nick's usually sitting down, being like, I. I am going to survive this. I am going to make it through this, and it's going to be okay. And so like our, our, our energy's different, we're in different rooms. He's usually downstairs, I'm usually upstairs. And then um, what is interesting, and it's really helpful to be in the same place, and I do kind of miss this about being in the office for cookie drops, is that wow. we can run to each other for whatever, for coverage, for question, you know, coming in and being like, hey, I just booked this guy for this time on this date, but I think I did this wrong. Do you know how to help me fix this? And so we can help each other out with that. Or even just the smallest thing of like, can you take the dogs out? I'm, I'm taking mm. like five minutes. And so you can let somebody know you're gonna be offline for literally you yeah. have five minutes and it feels like <laughs> yeah. eternity. Yeah. So like, God forbid you go to the bathroom like during a cookie's job. Mm-hmm. So it is, <laughs> it's different. And then usually he's, he has to finish earlier because he's got to get to his, the rest of his other calls for just, you know, the rest of our clients. And I'm usually working the entire Friday on just cookies. And so um, at the end of the day, we're both equally exhausted and equally tapped out. And so dinner is never a home-cooked meal on Fridays ever, for cookie drops, ever. And yeah. it's usually quiet, and then we're smoking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're having our gummies and yeah. <laughs> getting high ourselves and doing something silly or stupid. But yeah, he's a big get out of the house, and I'm a big don't talk to me and don't make <laughs> me talk or make decisions nice. or engage or run anything. I need like to opt out of responsibility for a little bit.
0: Well, well yeah, flip it back at you, that. Mike. Flip it back at you. You, you sometimes. Uh, uh, you're grown. You have members of the family that help us out. Sometimes you, you've been in the, mm-hmm. the same place. What, what's the experience
2: like for you? It's similar. Like uh, so, we everybody kind of has their own kind of home base around my house because it's my son, and then um, his girlfriend, and then we have some other friends that. So everybody kind of spread around, sp- spread out around my house. And, uh, and then kind of the rest, the other family members that aren't involved in my wife, like, they're always looking over my shoulder, like, what's the numbers? How many, look at, what's the <laughs> biggest order? And like, so it's like, it becomes like a whole family affair. Like, wow. this cookies drop. It's pretty fascinating, yeah. And then, you know, it ends at like 7.30 or 8 or whatever it is when I'm trying to get done. But it's kind of the same way for me. Like, you know, we'll get done and I'm just like, holy shit, I've got to like mentally unwind and, and uh, so usually it's like you know we'll have like some friends over dinner drinks definitely drinks for sure but like, it's <laughs> it's it's draining man it really is but it's also exciting I, I love those Fridays it, it, it yeah it, it I I do have to say like it's demanding love hate, and, love, hate sorry yeah yeah <laughs> it,
0: it's demanding <laughs> a, it's demanding and as draining as it is um I I always come out like unbelievably proud of how. The team operates together, and I think I think you know. In even chatting, you know, we have this is not you know a little behind the curtain, but we have a instant message with the dispensary where somebody is there that is monitoring that. And I even think they're impressed. By the way, hey, did this took care of this guy? You know, he was double booked. Put him on one side. So I'm always I'm always really proud of how we kind of uh, find a way to to make that work despite the demand, despite the rush. Um, right. Very, very cool. All right. Um,
1: this is our commercial saying we can handle high volume. No
0: problem. Oh, <laughs> we, we can handle it, it's no doubt. Um, we're getting to the end, um, and I, I want to thank uh, my man Frankie Fifth Year uh, for, for holding this thing together. Um, it, 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 are you there, Frank? Because we're going go to go just to have a little fun, a little wrap-up here. Uh, yeah, I'm
3: here, Nick. <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you? Good, how are you guys doing?
0: How does it sound? Doing good.
3: Fantastic. All screwed right. on this end.
0: Outstanding. All right, guys, um, just because uh, you need to be reminded every now and then, today's July, uh, it's the 22nd, um, so just so you know. And <laughs> you sure? we used to, we <laughs> it used to blend be, It all blended together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just thinking the other night about, um, hell, it's the summer. At this time of the summer when I was a kid, I would be like, i got to go swimming. I would try to get as much summer in as I possibly could. So I've got some questions. I want you to write them down, the answers. Excuse me. Write, write down the answers to the questions, and then we're going to share them. I don't want anyone copying off anybody. All right. I want you to tell us, what is a blockbuster film that when you see it on TV, you see it out, this film says, ah, It's summer. Do you have a film that makes you just feel like it's summer?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like I haven't seen a movie in forever.
3: (laughs) Well, Nick, I have one that scares me about summer. (laughs) (laughs) And what would that be, Frank? Um, For some reason, I don't know why they always run it, but they always run Jaws for some reason during the summer. And I cannot. Yes, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, I always don't want to go in the water or to the beach a day after I see that.
0: Oh, that is, you know, it's the first one I wrote down, and it is, it's the idea. And, and how, how relevant is it, is it this year? Close the beaches, close the beaches. You're going to close the beaches, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, I cannot get away from it. I make a ton of jokes about the Kitner kid. I'm a jerk. Um, but yeah, mine is Jaws 2. Frankie and I are right there. What about you, uh, Mike? Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Francesca, please. Nobody Francesca's ready. She can't Go take ahead, direction. Francesca, you're ready. You're ready.
1: Die Hard. Not the die Christmas hard. one. Not the Christmas one, obviously.
0: You mean Die Hard? With Samuel hard. L. Jackson. Die Hard with a vengeance. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it starts mm. off in a heat wave, New York City. Yeah. All right, wow. no, I, I, I like it. I like it. Wow. Um,
2: so mine is, and I don't know why this makes me think of summer, um, it's Wedding Crashers. Wow. And I think it's because they have that big scene on the Chesapeake where they're like doing stuff outside on the sailboat and all this and that. So it just kind of reminds me of like this time of year for some reason. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wait, was that shit in the fall? Like when did that <laughs> really happen in the movie? So I don't know. But it does. it always makes me feel like summer. I don't know why. Wow. The weddings on the beach at the beginning that they're at. So I think there's all these things that kind of makes me feel like summer. That's cool. I like the way you associate it with that one Chesapeake scene. That's pretty, that's
0: pretty cool. All right. Uh, one that people can relate to. So everybody got their, their pen ready. Fifth year, get ready with your answer. And I think Frank might have an answer on this one. Uh, tell me the one food or beverage that you just associate with summer. Food or beverage or both?
3: Hmm. I think for food, well, there's like a running joke around the office that my last name is Cutlets for some reason. <laughs> I guess I'm always eating chicken cutlets for lunch or just because I'm Italian, I'm from North Jersey. Um, but yeah, we just made cutlets last week and you guys asked me who is the person responsible and it's yeah. my dad, Frank Sr., Big Rags. So big Rags! always <laughs> He, so Sundays is like either if we're not golfing or something, we're definitely frying up some cutlets. Um, wow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when all this is over, I need to experience these cutlets. Yeah, I do yeah. too. I do it's too. There's definitely
3: a, a couple secret ingredients um, that I'll definitely share at some point. So
2: if chicken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an important one. And that that's one. hey, uh, Frank, next uh, – God willing, next offsite, I think you got to do some cutlets. Yeah. 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 I'll fry some up. All right.
2: Who wants to go next?
1: Mike, Take by it all away means.
2: You, <laughs> uh, okay. So, my, this is an easy one for me. Oh, that's this nice. a good would be one. Like steamed Maryland crabs. Um, in the summertime, we eat these as much as we can. I have some crab traps that we put out. And so, we, uh, yeah, that's like a staple around here is, is steamed crabs. All right. That's a good one. That, that is, is a, a good quintess- one. That's better than mine.
1: Um, corn on the cob.
2: <laughs> That's, a <good> <laughs> That's a good one. That's Jersey a good one. Jersey corn. We that with the crabs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it, because you're like, yes, this means it's summer. You've got some sweet Jersey corn.
0: Nice. Uh, mine's rather weird. It's two parts out of food and a drink. Um, I have Miller High Life, for some reason, tastes like being outside and sneaking beers for my uncles. Um, that was their <laughs> summertime beer that they'd had with crabs. They, 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 that was apparently a, a culinary pairing for the Italian-American yep. community here. In for and, uh, everybody. Yeah. And then I have a Nicoboli because you got go yep. to go to Nicola Pizza. Just one of our best things going here uh, in the first date. All right. Now I got, I got one that's relevant. You are, uh, you have to do a staycation. A lot of people are doing that this year. You have a staycation, except I have one, one little uh, monkey wrench to throw in it. Do you do no air conditioning or no internet? You have to survive through one.
2: No AC or no internet. Wow, that's tough. Does the staycation start now, like this week? Because it's yeah, hot. Yeah, let's do and it. Shit. Let's do it now. <laughs>
3: Hmm. I would like probably do. I'd probably do no AC just because my room is already with no AC. So like I'm already sweating, <laughs> <You're used>
0: to- <laughs>
3: and I sit right in <laughs> front of the window too. So I'm like baking. I have my fan on, um, <laughs> but I don't think like I I wouldn't be able to work or function without internet. Like yeah. I'm on YouTube maybe four hours a day, so I need yeah. my
0: YouTube for sure. Wow, wow. Good. How about you, Francesca?
1: No internet for sure. I could I could relax in the AC and read a book or um, do some writing and sleep. I think it would force me to take, a different kind of staycation and we have dvds we can do that so that's kind of nice if i if i need to watch something it's got to be much more intentional and and mindful and frankly w- our ac died uh this summer in late june and it was early july that we got our new ac and i'm not giving it up again Hell no,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it died it died uh, going a little callback it died uh, during a cookies drop. Uh, so oh, that,
2: yeah, that's <laughs> right. Was, ooh, oh, it's even more Our Our anniversary. <laughs> wow. uh, Mike, would you a go redo with do on that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would, I would go no internet. Um, because if it's a staycation, it's like, all right, well I should get off of social media and I shouldn't be checking email. And you know, I, then I would say there's other things I could do to keep myself entertained. Um, you know, without but like one thing to me is like sleeping when it's hot and you have to sleep with no air conditioning. That can like really be a problem for me. Obviously, you know, so I would much rather have the air conditioning than the internet.
0: Yeah, I, what about I went you? With Nick?
2: The, no internet.
0: Uh, I have stacks and stacks of Rolling Stones records from the Mick Taylor era, and I would uh, I would just fall into all that stuff again and books and uh, radio. I'd be great. So. Yeah, I, I do the no internet route. And then finally, I thought it'd be fun uh, for one thing. Um, Got to think back for some of us, but I'm really interested to hear Mike's take on this. Um, what's been your worst summer vacation trip ever? Something where you have the best intentions, you pack the family up, and then the thing just torpedoes.
2: Has anybody been through that? I've been through one. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I think there, there was one we had a few summers ago. It was just, it's, it was like with family and stuff. And it's just sometimes it's tough to have a lot of family together with a lot of kids and grandparents and everything like that. And it can get to be a little bit stressful here and there. But um, I've never really had a disaster, but I've, it's, it's been, it was, there was one that kind of stood out to me. as just being like, uh it wasn't quite as relaxing as I wanted.
1: Gotcha.
2: Where was it? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Plead in the fifth. Plead in the fifth. I, I, I just I think back to when I was a kid. Um, there's a local place for people that aren't local. Um, I, I think it's some um, Langhorne, Pennsylvania. There's a theme park called Sesame Place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a Sesame Street like water park, basically. And I wanted to go all summer. I would think it was five, and uh, I got to take uh, two friends with me. And I was there for about 15 minutes and just started feeling off. Uh, I tried to suffer through it. Turns out I had 103 fever, um, and then we got back. We we had we just had to get out of there. And on the way home, the car broke down. So I, <laughs> I was just yes. sitting there dealing with that. Uh, Nick I'll had always... COVID back then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ours was. Um it's like a legendary family story about going to maine we used to we went to maine with another family uh the browns and we loved them they were so fun but like it was supposed to be a, like a mountain lake house style and we got there and we didn't know that that meant like that their beaches were rocky and really full of like shells <laughs> and stuff and so day one my sister and i are like trying to like wade into the water and she cuts her foot on some sharp shell or some coral something and has to get stitches on the bottom of her foot on day one and be on crutches the rest of the vacation which the rest of the vacation was like a lot of hiking and then so we couldn't do that and then it was everything that I think um, what we got like one of the cars got lost on the way there everything went wrong and so it's this it's this big joke like that vacation has become our big like Well, at least it's not Maine kind of Uh, thing in our family.
0: Wow. I I ask because everybody's got the memes that say, you know, my plans, and then you see the picture that represents 2020. So uh, fifth year, did big rags ever uh, have great plans, and then they just didn't, it wasn't all fun and cutlets at the end of it? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I had really bad asthma
3: as a kid, and it just Mm -hmm. so happens that one of my worst asthma attacks was while I was at Disney so i had to get taken back to my room and i had to stay in my room the whole day and the paramedics ended up coming so like it was like literally the worst day ever like we got down there beautiful day i wanted to ride all the rides and i just got an asthma attack it was it was was this
2: last year frank did this happen last year
3: (laughs) um it definitely wasn't too long (laughs) ago but uh I'll, I'll, i'll never forget i got a a letter from Goofy saying get get better soon Frank I thought it was the cutest thing ever
2: do you still have
3: the letter? yeah it's in my room
1: <laughs> oh my god this is so cute I can't, I can't. <laughs> oh my god I can't believe no. you
3: still have it
0: no, I, it's funny because I have an email from Goofy but he wanted me to si- sell his hydroponic growers and I, I couldn't do it um <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, that's so... it has got to be a cannabis uh, strain, right? Goofy's yeah. a great name.
0: Yeah. we <laughs> will
2: get into it when letters, they get letters to the from, Letters from Goofy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that... Oh, man, we couldn't have wrapped up on a better... Uh, little anecdote Frank thank you so much so uh, with that you know if anybody doesn't have anything else I, uh, I want to thank uh, Mike I want to thank Francesca uh, I certainly want to thank uh, Frankie fifth year there in the great garden state of New Jersey um, anything uh, anything you want to say wrapping up guys no
1: arrest <laughs> the cops that killed Brianna Taylor
0: there you go uh, I'll second that and uh, look Thanks for uh, tuning in. We're going to see you next time, Frankie Fifth here in Jersey, Mike Francesca, and I from Delahoo, Delaware. Delaware. We'll see you next time. It's the family affair. It's a family affair.
1: It's family affair. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
2: I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on Pod connects and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new
1: industry together.